This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm John Stashauer. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today we begin with news out of the NFL. The Washington football team has hired Jason Wright as team president, making him the first African-American to hold such a position in league history. And I guess I start, gentlemen, what does this mean for a team that is in the middle of rebranding and fixing its image, John? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a move in the right direction. This is a, a franchise that had a really bad uh, stretch there between the controversy over the the team name where they, the owner Dan Snyder finally relinquished uh, only because of uh, corporate pressures and then they couldn't come up with a new name. And uh, then, of course, that story about uh, 10 former female employees of the team, you know, with accusations of sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior in the workplace. So they, they was a, there was some terrible things going on, and there's still minority owners who are urging Dan Snyder to sell the team, but he does not want to sell the team. So a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, they hired a woman, Julie Donaldson, who's in the broadcasting business to kind of run communications. Uh, so that was considered a, a step in the right direction, and this is obviously one because uh, it's amazing that there has never been an African-American to hold this kind of a position in the NFL. You know, it's obviously Jason is uh, very much qualified for this position, but when anything comes to Daniel Snyder, you look at it and you said, it was, is this a have-to move or a want-to move? And I'm hoping it's a want-to move to, to elevate uh, Jason Wright to this position. Um, he won't have anything to do with the football operations, but he'll be in charge of all the business operations, finance, sales, marketing, uh, and, and you know he's got a big, big job to do because the image of, of this club has been tarnished, and he's uh, I think he's the right guy at the right time in the right place. 38 years old, and uh, he has business experience. Uh, let, let's add that in now. In fact, uh, he uh, after he retired in 2010, he went on to attend business school, and he was a consultant. Uh, in the business world for a while. So he does bring that to the table, guys. You know what I like about it? I mean, we've seen big names. I mean, Magic Johnson comes to mind. Teams hiring really big names. But just because you were a Hall of Fame player doesn't mean that you have what it takes to run a franchise. This guy was not a big name. I never heard of him. I mean, he played seven years in the league. He was a journeyman running back for like four different teams. So he's not getting this job because, oh, wow, we got a famous guy to run the team. He knows about what it's like to play in the NFL. I think that will help him. 
but that's not why he got this job. You know, some of the great managers and coaches are guys that uh, were second and third stringers that sat sure. on the bench and did observed a lot. Sure. I mean, think in baseball, like Earl Weaver. I mean, he wasn't a great player. Sparky Anderson, not a great player, but great managers. And and this could be uh, the same situation right here. Jason did a lot of observing while he was on a team, and hopefully he'll take that those observations and that learning experience uh, with him as head of the uh, Washington football team. And you know i got to bring up a racing uh, reference as we talk about that. Richard Childress, of who uh, he was a driver, yeah. <laughs> but as an owner, oh my goodness, he, he blew it out of the park. Obviously, uh, he was behind uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt, the late Dale Earnhardt's car, uh, and just uh, made inroads in that. So just like you said, that can mean uh, boatloads when you're moving into the, the management part. Which brings us now to college football. And as we've mentioned before, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they have nixed their fall football seasons over virus concerns. And now league officials are speaking about the increased testing and the devastating impacts on the economies of many American college towns. In fact, I think the uh, NCAA's chief medical officer said, look, with the way testing is going right now, there's no way in the world we can have sports, John. Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about this, the fact that we got two conferences. Okay, we're not playing, uh, although worth noting, Justin Fields, the star quarterback at Ohio State's trying to play. He's putting out a petition to try and get to play. I don't think that's going to be successful. But then you have these other conferences that are, at least as of now, planning to play. But is it really going to happen, guys? I mean, when you hear the NCAA's chief medical officer saying there's no way they can go forward, so... Uh, I'm very, I am certainly not convinced that there's going to be any college football this fall. Well, the opening weekend for the ACC, I think, is September 7th. So we're looking at uh, less than a month right here. Uh, it's coming down the track pretty fast. And I think they're going to take this thing right to the 11th hour and make a decision in that final week uh, about safety. And, you know, as, as the players, uh, as the more students continue to move back on campus, we may see an uptick in positive tests. Uh, that That's the big thing. Right now, the, the, the teams are practicing, and there aren't any other students on campus. But they're all going to start barreling in this weekend, and that's where we may see some more positive tests and maybe some decisions to be made. by. Right now, there are six conferences that are ready to go. Will six of them make it to the starting line? I don't think so. Well, plus two, the college towns, they're going to take a beating. I mean, Ann Arbor, for example, huge for the Michigan Wolverines. The watering holes and restaurants all around there, they just have action-packed business when uh, the Wolverines are playing. Uh, that's all up in smoke now. I mean, you feel for them, obviously, but, I mean, you almost have to say, like, who isn't struggling? You know, I yeah. mean, there's just so You know, I was thinking the other day, like, dry cleaners, right? Mm. I mean, <laughs> people been usually go to work five days a week, and so they put on nice clothes, and then they bring their clothes to the dry cleaners. Well, everyone's either not working – we're working at home and not dressing. You know, so there's just so many everywhere you turn. There's people who are really taking a hit with this. Now, you're absolutely right about that one, Stash. I went right by my dry cleaners the other day, and, and they have a big sign in the window. We are open. Yeah. And But I, I don't have any shirts or, you know, suits because I haven't worn one in, since March. And, you know, they're not the only ones. But Alabama, we've, we've thrown this number around uh, the, a weekend football game in Tuscaloosa is worth roughly $20 million to the local economy. And they usually have five or six home games per year. So, 
Yeah, football is getting hit, but as uh, Stash said, everybody else is getting hit as well. I just wonder what is going to happen to those bars and restaurants that take a major hit. Uh, can they survive? Uh, will the, if they get any money, relief money, will that be enough to to save them? I I just don't know, guys. You know, I was talking to my, actually my brother-in-law invested as an owner in a minor league baseball team. This was mm. going to be his first year oh. in Alabama. They and they you know they had a nice stadium that the city built. They had the, the tickets and they were all ready. They hired a lot of people, and now all of a sudden they didn't, they didn't have a team. They didn't have a season, so. You know, it's just another layer of, of people taking a hit with this. It's it's tough. Well, this is going to be interesting when the students – I have a nephew who goes to Syracuse and he plays on their uh, hockey team, and he's leaving on Friday, and uh, Syracuse is sending their students back. So, you know, this is going to be the, the interesting part when they start interacting with the athletes that are on campus right now that have a season penciled in. And as I, I said before, let's let, let's see what the numbers happen. Uh, and I think this is going to affect whether some of these teams like the SEC and some of these other conferences like Conference USA decide to go forward. John, Mike, I, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When you mentioned about the dry cleaners, you're right. Because <laughs> since April up until about a month ago, I was working from home. And so I didn't have any reason to go and have my shirts cleaned or anything like that or whatever. So they, uh, I tell you what did succeed, gain detergent because my NASCAR pajamas were great. See, in radio, you don't have to worry about people seeing you. So I was in my NASCAR pajamas. Oh, it was great, man. Anyway. anyway Mike Litch was on TV, so he would have a coat and tie, but then he would have like, Gym shorts. <laughs> now, how did you know that? Yeah, I know you TV guys. <laughs> that that happened like a week ago Sunday. We had a Celtics pregame uh, show, and I went in there, and I was uh, it, it, sitting on a stool, and I had uh, literally a bathing suit and flip-flops, and I had a jacket and tie on up above. <laughs> <laughs> if if people really... only knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay good money for a wide shot, man, to see that. Uh, finally, let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Predictions, gentlemen, predictions. Well, look, this is a, a league where in the playoffs, generally speaking, if, it, if things go the way they usually do, and that's a question because we've never been down this road before playing games in August and all this, but usually there's not a lot of surprises in the NBA playoffs. The teams that are the better teams in the regular season generally move and advance on, and so um, I would not expect, you know, at least in this first round, you know, the Bucks or the Lakers or the Clippers or some of these top teams uh, to have much trouble. I think it's going to get interesting in the later rounds. I mean, you're looking at the Lakers and Clippers maybe facing off. Um, I like the Bucks to come out of the East. Maybe the Celtics, they've been playing well. So I think it's kind of like the teams that you – I don't have any – Dark horses. I think the teams you expect to win will win. I think you're right. I think Stash. I think it's going to be the Bucks and probably the Lakers. The only thing, uh, the uh, little fly in the ointment here is that no home court advantage for anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, neutral neutral site. Uh, no, you know, pumped in crowd noise, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, will the lack of a home court hurt some teams that should win? the series that they're about to play or will play after they advance. Just because of what you just said. I don't have a clue because usually <laughs> you're you're fighting for home court advantage and you're fighting to have the crowd behind you that you know that sixth man out there on the court the entire crowd and it it helps. Uh, but when you don't have any home court advantage, I, 
I don't know who is going to. I mean, yes, it, it's like like John said. I mean, it's like you know the Bucks and those guys. They're they're going to be easy. They'll be fine. They'll move on to the next round. It's when, like you said, the Lakers and the Clippers, and boy, that would be a good series. Man. <laughs> you know, not not to switch topics, we can get back to the NBA. But I was thinking about this the other day. You know, when the NFL starts and the folks in Vegas have to lay down the betting lines. What what do they always do, right? They give like three points mm-hmm. to the home team. Mm-hmm. It's always an automatic, whatever you are. If you're a seven-point underdog, you become a four-point underdog if you're at home. Well, are they going to still do that if there are no fans in the stadium? Is that still a factor? I don't know. I don't know either. That, that's a good point. Um, so it'll affect, the, it'll affect the betting lines for sure. I, I think that home field advantage is probably – Less important in football than it is in basketball and hockey in closed arenas. Uh, I, I I think that you know hockey and basketball. I think it's it's primary. Uh, it's more important to have home ice, home court advantage, and then the next sport after that probably the third would be football, and then the last would be baseball. It will be exciting. It uh, by the way, I, I got to throw this in. Uh, the Indy <laughs> five hundred is Sunday. Yes. Another Andretti. Huh? Yes. Yeah, first Andretti. time in, what, 33 years we've had an Andretti on the pole. And it it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't uh, for Marco. It wasn't his father, Michael. It, it's his grandfather, Mario Andretti. Last wow. time on the pole in 1987 for the Indy 500. And they're busting off laps at 233 miles. And my goodness, whew, that's almost like driving on I-80. When the Patriots played the Giants in the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, they had the media party at the uh, Indy 500, and we yeah. all got to go out and kiss the bricks at the uh, at the starting finish line. There, it was it was a pretty big thrill. I tell you, that was uh, I was pretty jazzed up about that. I've never uh, been in the Speedway, but I've driven by it, and you're just struck <laughs> by how massive it is. I mean, you just keep driving and driving. You know, it's like, there's it was, a golf there's a golf course inside yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, nine of the eighteen holes are inside the uh, the track. <laughs> when you see the scoring tower at Indianapolis, you're like, yeah. "Oh my God, that's it! That you know that there's no other place like it in the world with that scoring tower." I love it. I'm sorry. I had to throw that. In. Uh, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barra, along with Mike Lynch and John Stashauer. And we are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we talk all things hockey and business with Bill Keenan, author of Odd Man Rush. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.